It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, again, if you will take your copy of God's Word and turn to Luke chapter 10. Uh, we're looking at verses 38 through 42 as we, as we look at uh, on this, on this uh, Mother's Day, on this special day at, uh, at, this, at this truth that we all need to be sitting at the feet of Jesus. We see very clearly uh, this morning that Mary uh, understands and she gets uh, the picture and I hope and uh, I pray the challenge this morning is that we can uh, learn from her example. On Mother's Day, I can't help but think of hospitality. Uh, I think when I, uh, when I reflect on my mother and one of her biggest personality traits, that's one that comes to mind. Um, but when I think about hospitality, what I want to point out this morning, and I think we'll see very clearly through uh, the Word, is that there are two different kinds, and they are very different. Um, you have a hospitality that um, a business might show you. You have a hospitality that maybe, um, maybe Hilton, maybe uh, Marriott, uh, Holiday Inn. You, we all have uh, those hotels that we, we run to when we are looking to make a reservation. Sometimes it's just finding the cheapest one or the most affordable one. Uh, and sometimes if we are going on vacation and we want to make sure that uh, we're pampered a little bit, we, 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 we actually pick hotels because of how much hospitality they show, how much they reveal to us, uh, and, how, and what, the prior, what their priorities uh, are. And, and so we think about uh, the hospitality that is shown in that equation, and what we realize is that their hospitality is not given from a self-sacrificing uh, place. It is not given out of necessarily the goodness of their hearts. It is given uh, because they expect that if they provide a, a better level of hospitality than the competitor, then they are going to ultimately enhance their profits. So they, in other words, extend hospitality because of a hope for profit. Then there's the good old, what I would say is southern hospitality, which can sometimes be a myth, and we'll cover that maybe another day. <laughs> but in, uh, in thinking, uh, in giving uh, southern hospitality the benefit of the doubt, I would say that most hospitality that you find in these parts, especially if you're talking about someone that grew up in the south or someone who has uh, spent most of their time uh, here, uh, they, think, uh, they think about hospitality in, in line with not what, uh, what they can provide for you so that you can provide something for them. In other words, they're not looking to necessarily profit. They're not looking to uh, line their pockets. Uh, my mother did not show hospitality to company because she wanted a tip at the end. Uh, she rather showed hospitality because she cared. 
The contrast between these two different responses of hospitality show up or are revealed in our text this morning with the difference, the dichotomy between Mary's behavior, Mary's actions, and Mary's response to Jesus and Martha's response or uh, her relationship with Jesus. By taking a deeper look at the different forms of hospitality in Luke's gospel, we learn much about true discipleship. That's what I hope uh, we focus on this morning more than anything is this idea of discipleship. It's a big fancy word that we throw around at church a lot of times. I think sometimes we assume that if you grew up in church, you just understand that term. I will admit to you, after all these years in in church, growing up in church, even being a a, a minister, um, sometimes I don't know fully what someone might mean when they say discipleship, especially when they're talking in light of the church. It can be confusing. Um, Hopefully this morning what we will do is is at least at the end of our our message, at the end of our sermon, have a, a clear picture of what Jesus meant when he talked about this idea of discipleship or this behavior or this reaction to the hearing of his word. That's most simply put, discipleship is a response to the word of God. Discipleship is a journey. Discipleship is um, a relationship, if you will. Discipleship is not something that can necessarily be bottled up. It's not something that can always be completely reproduced from church to church. It might look different. I think that that might be sometimes what uh, gives us a little bit of confusion when when we're looking at discipleship as defined by the church. Because each church has a different understanding of the, uh, of, the, of the term discipleship and how that will get practiced and fleshed out in their uh, community. Well, looking deeper this morning at the different forms of hospitality in Luke's gospel, I think we will learn a whole lot about the discipleship or the sincere discipleship that Jesus desires. Sincere discipleship through hospitality is revealed through our posture, our priority, and finally, our prize, or our promise, if you will. First, we learned this morning about sincere discipleship through Mary's posture. Let's look at verses 38 and 39, if you will, chapter 10 of Luke's Gospel. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. I'll stop there for just a moment and talk a little bit about posture. I, I can remember um, right after we moved to Concord, uh, we I had to do a lot of uh, I had to do a lot of heavy lifting. We got us one of those pods uh, to store our furniture in from back in Nashville. And we, as we moved to Concord, um, we sh- we, the pod showed up and we had to unload all that, all that furniture and all of our stuff. And, um, and so I, my back became a little sore and then I was rear-ended in, uh, in a car accident, a little fender bender, and it just kind of threw my back into a mess. I started going to the physical therapist and 
I can remember as I was sitting there going through the evaluation, the physical therapist looked up at me and, uh, and he said, is that how you sit? And I, I, how, how do I sit? I mean, well, I don't understand. I mean, what do you mean? I, yeah, I mean, this is how I sit. Um, I didn't, wasn't really aware. And then, and then he proceeded to talk about my posture. Uh, and, and, he's, and he began to talk to me about the, this, this idea that if I wanted to see my back improve, um, the first thing I was going to start working on was my posture. And that it was perhaps, uh, perhaps some of my problems were, were not, was not coming from uh, you know, the, the, the accident and, and maybe not even from the heavy lifting, maybe bad posture lifting, but, but bad posture just in general. He asked me, did I, do, uh, did, I do, uh, did I have an office job or did I work with my hands? And I said, well, I'm a minister, and so I, obviously I do sit at a desk a lot. I, I, I look at a computer screen and again started... Aha, aha, and things started adding up to this physical therapist. And, uh, and so they, he, he uh, gave me several different um, tips and tools to work on my posture. And sure enough, over some time, I, did, I do believe I noticed some difference. Now, I will say that it's not completely uh, healed, and that's probably because I'm not following the directions of the posture that was given to me by my physical therapist. But that's another question for another day. After all, I did spend a lot of money on that physical therapist. You would think I would actually follow what he told me to do. But you know how it is, with, especially with us men. We don't like to actually follow what the doctors tell us, even though we'll pay a lot for their advice. I want you to look, though, this morning at the posture that Mary takes. Take a look at the position that she puts herself in. It reveals a lot about the devotion she has for Jesus. It sets the tone, if you will. It shows us how to respond correctly when we encounter Jesus, when we encounter God. When we encounter the Holy Spirit, the kind of posture we take is going to have a lot to do with how we receive the Word. If we have a posture... If we have poor posture, if you will, we're probably going to encounter God and we're going to come away with all kinds of presuppositions of, what, uh, of, what, of how we ought to be in control or, or how we're going to take what he said with a grain of salt. Um, maybe we won't even listen because we don't have the right kind of posture. But Mary, on the other hand... She understood that when she came into contact with God, when she came into contact with Jesus, that she must fall to the ground, literally at the feet of Jesus. And what this does is it shows us a level of submission. A level of submission that each one of us has to have if we're ever going to allow discipleship to take root in our hearts and in our lives. If we're going to allow the will of God to be what conducts our life, if we're going to live according to the, the Holy Spirit's guidance, we must make sure we approach His Word, we approach uh, the hearing of His Word, the listening of His Word, with a level of submission. Understanding that we are not in control. Understanding that we must put aside our desire, maybe even to be right, Maybe our desire to have everything be logical 
maybe our desire to even have the answers. After all, Mary doesn't necessarily approach Jesus and, and submit to him because she liked what he had to say. Rather, it says that when Martha found Mary, she was already sitting there at Jesus' feet. Her submission to Jesus, her posture takes place first. Then she begins to listen. Then she begins to hear his word. After noticing her posture, note her actions. Once she takes the posture of submission, once she understands that the will of God in her life is most important, then she can start to listen. We see in, we see in the book of Luke often, and even, even in the previous chapter, or even earlier in this chapter actually, with the parable of the Good Samaritan, we see that there were those two men that walked by and they heard the man crying out and yet... So they listened, they heard with their ears, but they didn't listen with their hearts because nothing affected them. They were not compelled to act. They were not compelled to move and to help that, that individual in trouble. It was the Good Samaritan that came along. And to avoid spending our message this morning focused on the story of the Good Samaritan, we'll leave it at that. But here with the story with Mary and Martha, what we see by her posture, her position, her submissiveness, Mary reveals who she seeks to serve. Not herself, but ultimately God. She worships Him. She puts Him above all else. For what purpose does she demonstrate hospitality? Does she demonstrate hospitality because she wants to line her pockets with full, full of tips? Does she, does she seek hospitality because she wants to even look good? Now that would be Martha's issue, which we will cover in a moment. Mary, on the other hand, demonstrates hospitality because it's an expression of what's truly in her heart. The love of God. A love of a Savior. We see Mary's posture, furthermore, reveals her priority. Once we get this idea of posture down, once we understand how we ought to approach God, how we ought to approach Him, not, not in control, not, not playing God ourselves, but rather submit, submitting to His will and to His ways, we can then move from a place of posture to a place of priority, to a place of focusing on what is our priority. Look at verses 30a again. Uh, the latter part of verses 38 talks about a woman named Martha, which, by the way, just pausing here for just a moment, there are lots of Marys and Marthas in Scripture. And don't get confused. This, this is not necessarily the same Mary, mother of Jesus. This is not the same Mary of Mag Magdalene. This is, this is a, probably a very different Mary. It's just a, it's a generic name. It would be kind of like Smith uh, here in Smith or Jones or Johnson here uh, in uh, our, our nation. So you have Mary, Martha, latter part of verse 38. A woman named Martha opened her home to him. Speaking of Jesus. I want to focus right there on that word for just a moment. Because it's a very technical term. 
Obviously, again, in the English, we lose some of that Greek context, the, the original language that the Scripture was written in. That word, opened her home, trans, roughly in the Greek, is translated apodoxomai. It's a very technical term of hospitality. It would, be, uh, it would be the kind of hospitality I mentioned in the beginning about uh, maybe Hilton or Holiday Inn would show. It's the kind of hospitality that uh, ultimately serves to host a traveler or an independent patron. Almost again as she was offering up her, her house to a guest, a passerby. Martha's hospitality focused on looking good for Jesus. She ultimately became distracted by doing. Hospitality baskets or refrigerators are often present in those hotels I mentioned. If you go to Hilton or some of the, maybe even some of the nicer hotels, you'll learn real quick that those hospitality uh, baskets, those hospitality refrigerators do not come free. I can remember um, years ago, my dad took us to uh, the SEC tournament. It was down in Atlanta, Georgia, um, when I was a boy. Um, and we went, it was about when Rick Pitino was coaching Kentucky. That's, that's, that's how long, that's the date, dates it a little bit. Um, we had gone and, and uh, we had gotten tickets through his company and his... Uh, because all the tickets were paid for and a lot of the other things were taken care of, my dad, I guess you could say, sprung for the hotel. So we stayed right there at the convention center with the Omni Hotel. And, uh, and in fact, I think I believe even the, um, the company took care of the hotel, but any of the incidentals, whatever, we were going to have to be in charge of. Well, it was funny. We were standing there getting ready to go out to the game for the last time, and my dad said, Guys, why don't you look in that refrigerator and put, put some of those drinks in your pockets and take some of those nabs and, and some of those, cra and some of those uh, candy bars and, and let's pack them up um, because I'm sure when we get over to the game, you know, it's going to be expensive, those snacks over there. <laughs> he got a phone call a couple of days later from uh, his boss. You spent how much money at, at that hotel extra on incidentals? What, what did you buy? And he continued to tell them about what we did, again, thinking that uh, it was going to be cheaper. Those hospitality baskets, again, it's funny that they even would call them a hospitality basket. It's so far into some of the understanding I think we, especially here in the South, have of this idea of hospitality. Martha's hospitality, again, it was, is similar in nature. It focused on looking good for Jesus looking better than her sister. She wanted to one-up her, her sister. First, Martha positions herself in a place of becoming distracted because she's so busy doing. The rest of that scripture goes on to say, verse 40, picking up in verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. A lot of me language there. That's what I hear. You know, service is important. Being good servants is important. 
but not at the expense, never at the expense of relationships. Becoming all business serves to put the focus on the individual. It it serves to put the, the focus on the one doing the action. Martha's priority is not on her guest. It's not on Jesus. Her priority was on the reward for doing good. Look again at the plea that she makes to Jesus in verse 40. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister, there's the first my, has left me, there's a second me or my, to do the work by myself, the third one, tell her to help me. Four times in that verse, the focus is on her. The focus is on Martha, not on Jesus, not on her guests, but on her. Her hospitality is a response from a need to be on top, to be king of the hill. Authentic discipleship seeks Jesus and a relationship with him as the only priority. The acts of service become a response to that relationship. You know, going out and serving in this community, going out and serving uh, Mint Hill, Matthews, uh, uh, Mecklenburg County, Charlotte, going out and serving as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, should only come because of a response of what's happening in our hearts and in the life of this church. If it's not, well then it's just any old good service. We could be put right in the same breath as a Ruitson Club, as a Rotary Club, as a Lions Club. We could be a club. And, and let's face it, there's nothing wrong with clubs. Great, they do great things. Red Cross does a lot for this country and this, and this world. But it doesn't have at its core a relationship. A relationship with God Almighty. That's what separates us as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. That we have a relationship with Him. And then we serve. Then we do good works. Discipleship extends very specific prize or promise. We've seen the posture. We've seen priority and how they reveal ultimately the, the, the level of focus that we ought to have or should have on Jesus Christ and His presence in our lives. And that's often in what we prize or what we promise, what we commit to as a result of sincere discipleship. As we close out our text, look at verses 41 and 42. Jesus responds to her. She says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I'm sure you've all heard of a term prize fighter or a prize horse, prize athlete. What separates a prize fighter from any old 
fighter. What separates a prize horse or a prize player? It's not, not what ultimately comes at the end because everyone seeks a championship if you're competing. What separates those individuals, those individuals who get labeled prize fighters or prize horses or prize, prize whatever, what separates them, that phrase that attaches to them, is because they perform best when everything is on the line. They perform best at, at the most critical time. They don't crumble under any kind of pressure. They don't get a better reward for winning. They don't get a better reward for, for competing in that manner. Rather, they just have something inside of them that propels them to be winners. The Michael Jordans of the world. Individuals who perform in that way, in that manner, they do so because of something that exists deep down inside of them, the competitive nature, some people will describe it as. It's not because of what they ultimately get in the end. In fact, I think if you took someone like Michael Jordan, you put him on a playground, and you said, we're not going to give you anything at the end of this game, he's still going to compete just as hard as if he was playing in the NBA Finals. It's because something exists. He plays for a different reason, a higher purpose, if you will. He gets in that zone. That's the way, ultimately, we are called to as, as, as God's children. We're called to be prize fighters, if you will. To find something within ourselves, a, a level of discipleship, a level of commitment that goes beyond what kind of reward or what kind of response we may get at the end. We do it because it's a response, a reaction to what we claim exists in our hearts and in our lives. Jesus doesn't tell Martha to stand down because he doesn't recognize her desire to do some kind of good. He recognized she wants to do good. In fact, he says she's so worried about it. He recognizes her faith DNA or lack thereof. Lack of a genuine faith DNA, if you will. On the contrary, he witnesses the genuine discipleship of Mary and he declares that she has already won that she already has the prize, that she already has the promise uh, of the hope of eternal life because she knows Jesus. She knows what's important. She hears His word and she has responded and, she, and, and He says it will not be taken away from her. Our salvation cannot be taken away from us. Once we've secured that, once we've secured our relationship with Jesus Christ, we have our eternal hope, our eternal security already sealed. And we respond in kind. Once we know that, once we've experienced that, see, then we can go out into the world and we can share that with others. That's why it becomes important to do so. Because we know that once, once others have heard that same truth and once they've accepted that reality that Jesus Christ is the only way that they're going to experience abundant, everlasting life and forgiveness from, from their sins 
It's not by anything we do. It's not by any accomplishment. It's not even any good works we do. We can't line up enough good works to ever outweigh all the things that we might do to disappoint. Ultimately, we get to ask the question, and I think we all have to eventually at one point or another ask ourselves this question. Why do we do what we are here to do. Why do we do anything we do? Because answering that question is more important than anything we actually do. I'm going to close by listing a couple of myths when it comes to doing good works. First of all, there's the myth that being busy equals important. In other words, how busy you are, how full your calendar is, that, that, that means you're important. That means things in your life are important. Well, in the end, God isn't going to simply ask, how busy were you? Don't forget the posture of discipleship. Martha couldn't stop. But Mary ceased everything and worshipped at the feet of Jesus. Second myth, someone wins the rat race. Someone will come on top. Martha was so focused on looking better than Mary, on one-upping her, uh, her priority was on being king of the hill. Remember the priority of discipleship. It, it, it's, it's on our relationship with Jesus. That's what reveals what or who is most important in our lives. And then finally, the myth that hurrying will buy us more time. And down the line, we will accomplish much more. Or maybe you've heard it this way, downtime is wasted time. You ever heard of a Sabbath? <laughs> We've lost that. That's for another day. There will come a time in our lives where we are approach the end of the line. We don't know when that's going to be. None of us do. When the final bell is going to be rung, when the game is going to be over, the clock, the buzzer is going to go off, the, what, what will be our prize? If we don't know, we may never have initiated this idea of true discipleship that Jesus reveals in his word this morning. But it's not too late. Respond to the truth that is revealed in His Word. Today we witnessed two women that are polar opposites in a lot of ways. They were sisters, but they were polar opposites. Let's make sure we take our place sitting at the feet of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, we close this morning by coming right back to the simple truth and reality that above all we have to make sure that we've secured the, the reality that our eternal hope, our eternal abundant lives are already sealed because we know Jesus Christ and have a relationship with Him because He's the, the biggest priority in our lives. Help us to have the posture of Mary 
to be submissive to, Lord, your will and your way in our lives. Help us to not let our egos take over, to let ourselves be so focused on being right or having everything line up, being perfect in our little in our worlds, in our in our boxes. Help us to unbox and your Holy Spirit and let it pour out from every pore and soul of our body. Help us to understand the priority that Mary had, that she put everything on the relationship she had with Jesus Christ, that nothing came before that priority. And finally, this morning, as we see the difference between Mary and Martha, we see we see what she prized. We see what each one of them prized. What each one of them experienced promise. Help us to cling to that everlasting truth of, of hope. Hope of eternal, abundant life. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.